Hi, and welcome to the 28th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Women in Medicine and Health. I will be speaking with Dr. Alwyn Williams, OBE, consultant physician in genitourinary and HIV medicine based at Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board in North Wales. Alwyn was elected Royal College of Physicians Vice President for Wales in September 2019 and she began her three-year term of office on the 1st of January 2020. As ever, we'll also be hearing from Womanthology's Associate Editor, Inesh Santos, about the news stories in the written issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in the details on the front page of our website, that's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So, Alwyn Williams, OBE, a consultant physician in genitourinary and HIV medicine based at, now hopefully I'm going to pronounce this right, Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board, is that right? Yes, yes. My, I work out of a hospital called Glencluid Hospital, um, which is just outside Rill in North Wales. So, welcome to the Womanthology podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll dive straight in by asking you about your educational background and career to date. So I was brought up in North Wales and I had a very straightforward education in the local comprehensive. So nothing exciting, small comprehensive, 500 pupils. And I was one of the first years that started to do their then O-levels through the medium of Welsh. So it was a completely bilingual um, education and yeah it was great fun I really enjoyed my early lives and then I had a kind of a, a challenge during my A-levels and I always bring this up because I think it's quite important that people who don't get the grades they think they're going to get actually learn from people who were in the same position so I, I didn't get my A-levels as I wanted to and I went back to school for a year which was challenging got my grades and then I went off to Liverpool University and spent five fantastic years um, learning how to become a doctor and that was the beginning of what has been an amazing um, journey through patient care at a time when I think possibly people well people recognize the similarities that's happened in the last 18 months because when I qualified it was right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic and of course it's now 40 years of the first cases of HIV and as a new disease it was something we knew very little about we didn't know how it was being transmitted we didn't know who would get infected we had no treatment and young people were dying and those things really engaged me in doing my training in genitourinary medicine which is sort of now called sexual health and, and HIV medicine uh, there's probably a lot of parallels for the you know doctors in training at the moment that they're seeing themselves come into being doctors during a pandemic and I, here's me I've done two of them in my my career and if we're trying to imagine Alwyn on a day-to-day -day basis and I'm sure there's no single 
day that we can imagine. But in your role as a consultant physician, what sort of work would you be doing? I'm very fortunate that I, three years ago, took the opportunity of working less than full time. I'd always worked full time for all my career. Um, and when I say fortunate, well, I didn't realise it was that it was going to be quite difficult because actually cramming everything that you do into two or three days a week is much more challenging. You think you're going to be able to do it, but you don't. And hats off to anyone who tries to do that. So my working week is split across several roles that I hold. So as a, a physician, I do my Tuesdays and, and Thursdays clinically. My Tuesday morning will be spent doing an outpatient clinic for people living with HIV. And that's every week. We only have a small cohort where I work, but it keeps me busy. Then the lunchtime, we'll have a multidisciplinary team meeting where we'll discuss the cases that have come, the individuals that have come through the clinic. And we then bit lunch, maybe. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I do a pre-exposure prophylaxis clinic. So you might have heard of PrEP. And PrEP is a, a, a combination of antiretroviral drugs that people can take to prevent them acquiring HIV. And it's been available now in Wales in, ooh, for about four years. And it's been shown to be really effective in preventing new cases um, of HIV amongst people who have got risk factors of acquiring um, the virus. So that my afternoon and then I'll do a bit of coding patient letters and then my Thursday clinic is a general sexual health clinic so I have no idea who's going to be coming in what their complaints can be and and I see people of all ages so we could be that they're 13 or they could be 80 but they perceive that they've been at risk of a sexually transmitted infection or have a genital complaint and then in the afternoon, it's either some administration to do with work or a, an outpatient's clinic, which is uh, slightly different. We tend to pre-booked patients in that. So my, those are my two clinical days. But in my other days of the week, I have one day where I'm the vice president of the Royal College of Physicians in Wales. And that can be incredibly different work from today. I've started off doing two radio interviews and then some broadcast around some issues around winter pressures. I might be chairing meetings, going to conferences, meeting with doctors in training, meeting with consultants, and doing a whole range of things around promoting the activities of physicians in Wales. But I am part of a bigger college of, that covers the whole of the UK. And that's where I am today. I'm in the Royal College of Physicians in our new building called The Spine in Liverpool. It's an amazing building, really state-of-the-art technology. Air quality is great here. Lots of workspaces. And I've got a seniors officers meeting today. And then we have a lecture and a dinner later on this evening. So really exciting day. Busy, busy, busy. I know how much work the, the people in those positions put in and it's a long, long day, isn't it? Because you'll have media, meetings, whatever, all the things you've got. Yeah. And then it'll go right through into the evening and you probably won't stop until late in the evening, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> I, I quite enjoy one of the things about me is that I, everyone laughs because I am high energy and you know we'll keep going but one of the reasons for going less than full time was to have some time for myself and some space so all when the non-professional is a gardener 
loves walking her dogs, does quite a lot of craft and is a really avid reader. So I do make sure that I am using that time, although some people say that I'm not. And that's always the challenge to give a busy woman a job and she'll make sure that it's done. Absolutely. And in terms of COVID-19, how has that impacted on what you do in, in your various different roles? Well, from a clinical perspective, one of the things that happened in 2020 was the outpatient services were literally closed down overnight. And we had to develop a model that was fit for purpose for people with worries about sexually transmitted infections. And of course, people didn't stop having sex during COVID. They had less sex, but they were still people having experiences that put themselves at a, a position where they might acquire a sexually transmitted infection. So we completely redesigned our clinic so that we only saw people that needed physical examination. So most people would phone in, they'd have a telephone consultation. We didn't go as far as doing video consultations. We'd assess them and then bring the individuals that felt they needed an examination or for any other reason, they might have a learning disability, they might be under 16, they might be quite traumatized by something we do face to face with them and also we were incredibly lucky in Wales that Public Health Wales had already started to do an online testing platform where people could go and order their STI results so their swabs for chlamydia and gonorrhea but also blood tests for syphilis HIV and hepatitis as well so that meant though those people that had no symptoms could be cared for in a different manner and of course what we found that some of those people did have an infection and would then be contacted by us and we would sort them them out and going forward we haven't quite got back to normal because we can't have our model previously that was that everybody just walked into our service and that's difficult because we still have the covid restrictions yes but in terms of the flexibility in the way things are delivered it's an evolution isn't it Yes. And I think now this gives us an opportunity to talk to our client group and see what they want. Some people have, have really bought into doing the online. Other people find it really difficult. And if one model won't sort for everybody. You've got to adapt it so that you've got really good options for everybody. If you've got dyslexia and you're not very good filling in forms, you're not wanting to do online. So if we know about that, we can, co we can cope with that. Yes. And, and in terms of diversity of thought, why is that so important in medicine? And I know that's a big question. Well, we live in a diverse world. There's no doubt about it. And increasingly what we're seeing is certainly in medicine, our uh, medical students now uh, from every walk of life, every background, male, female, non, you know, binary, non-binary. And we just have to embrace that because the individuals that come to medical school reflect our population in general so that richness having those di diverse groups within medicine is so important for the care and to develop the care and understand the differences between different groups because of course we all have our own experience and we know what we feel but actually we can't speak for everyone else all of the time so having that diversity is incredibly important Absolutely. And you've recently supported an Emerging Women Leaders Programme at the Royal College of Physicians. Please, could you tell us about this and why it's so important? So 
Well, one of the things we see is that with increasing numbers of women entering medicine, that hasn't been transcribed into the numbers actually coming forward and becoming consultants. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. But those who do become consultants, it's important. They have the skill set to be able to lead within their organizations. So this project was set up around three, four years ago, and I've been a mentor for a couple of women each year, taking them through the changes from being a doctor in training into what is a, a highly responsible role with a lot of pressures, helping them get the, the capability and capacity to be able to be their best selves, not only within the workspace, but also in using their skills outside medicine and also making sure that they have a work-life balance. Yes, because taking that through their career, that's what's going to sustain you. Yes, that's it. And for some people, it's a work-work balance, because for a lot of individuals like myself, the things that I do outside work are considered to be work by other people as well. But it's about getting that joy out of whatever you do, not just the joy in work, but the joy from those other things that bring a richness to your life. Absolutely. And you can get experience in lots of different ways, as you've alluded to. So, for example, um, you can be a school governor or all sorts of things like that that give you that opportunity to develop. And it's a safe space because it's not your immediate workspace, but you can grow and branch out yeah. and, and learn new things in lots of different ways. Yes, I've been very fortunate. I've been a member of the Equality and Human Rights Commission in Wales. I've sat on the BBC audience um, panel advising BBC and I'm a divisional vice president of the NSPCC in Wales. So some of the skills that I've got from my leadership and within medicine, I've been able to transfer into all sorts of other places, but also brought back that richness, especially things like fundraising, business acumen that I've got from those other roles back into work as well. And yes, it's incredibly satisfying doing the other roles. And sometimes it's more satisfying than doing the J job. Volunteering is a big thing for me and philanthropy as well. So these two things fit very much together. And in terms of the, the women who are looking to develop these experiences, it's really important to keep a record as well, isn't it? So if you've learned something you've done something as, as in one of these extra roles it's really important to keep a note of that and maybe keep a diary of what you've learned so you've got your repertoire of things that you can use for interviews and things like that yeah I say to people keep your CV up to date update it every six months I also think using things like your LinkedIn profile making sure that that's up to date because nowadays people will they'll meet you and they'll just google you and if you haven't got a, an up-to-date linkedin it, it says something about you but it's also a, a place of celebration as well because sometimes especially in the last 18 months so many of us have had such negative experiences been taken out of our comfort zone not been able to do some of the things we want to do we forget those good moments those good learning experiences that we've had and yes taking note of that is note to self well done you achieved i think that's so important what in your opinion so this is obviously a personal opinion but what does the medical profession need to do in order to allow women to succeed at all career stages we've touched upon this a little bit in terms of the program and the extra challenges that women face we've talked a little bit about yeah uh, working not full-time hours as well because obviously hours in medicine are really long anyway so less than full-time in a medical setting is a lot of hours anyway <laughs> yes it can be and 
that is because I think most of us who come into medicine come in into it as a vocation. So they see it, it's kind of marrying into a profession that takes all your time. And we have to reflect back on what COVID has done to us, as in not being able to sustain those long hours anymore. So things have improved significantly. We do less than full-time training now. You do have that year's maternity leave. There's flexibility. But what we need is for the men to adopt that as well, so that we're seeing both groups working together in making sure that there is a different sort of equality, if you see what I mean, because I hadn't realised how difficult part-time working was until I was much older and the pressures that it puts on me. And if you were to then say to someone that someone has never done it, they'll say, what do you mean? Well, for me, I took a Wednesday off and it felt like I was having 104 weeks a year because every Tuesday night I would try and complete everything so it wasn't on my mind on the Wednesday. So that's the thing. I think also there's still huge roles around childcare, domestic care, and also the fact that we have lots of women coming through as single parents who have to juggle that side of things as well. And although we are quite highly paid, when you start taking in, into the cost of childcare and the length of that you need your childcare. So if you're doing a 12 hour shift and you're starting at eight o'clock in the morning and you're finishing at eight o'clock at night, it's really difficult to find that childcare. So there's lots of little things that we need to do. And there's probably a need here for people within the NHS to think about how it provides childcare, if you see what I mean. You know, there used to be hospital-based nurseries, but they have to think about this unsociable hour care. Yes. And I think maybe COVID is going, bringing that into focus as well. Yes. Yeah. And finally, what is coming up next for you and what are you excited about? Oh, excited about. So as the Vice President of Royal College of Physicians in Wales, I'm just completing my second year and it's been a very interesting year because I've seen everyone in 2D so I'm ex excited about getting back to meeting people face to face there's a richness about that personal interaction with individuals that networking that you don't get off teams and zoom so the next year I'm going to make sure I take up every opportunity of meeting people of making sure that the college is well established and I continue to support the doctors in training and give them the voice that they need and support my mentees as well going forward and on a personal level I'm just about to come halfway through my ILM7 coaching supervision course so I need to qualify next year I'm looking forward to getting that under my belt as well because one carries on learning throughout one's life and that's a really important thing for me well all the very best with that and we've been in touch for quite a few years on Twitter I think was when we first connected <laughs> yes. so, so if it would be all right for us to keep following your progress please do let us know how you get on with the ILM uh, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your wisdom with us today enjoy Liverpool take care and keep in touch thank you so much lovely okay thank you bye Hello, my name is Ines Santos. I am the Associate Editor of Womanfology and I am here to tell you about our new issue which celebrates 
Women in Medicine and Health. The stories include Dr. Katrina Sheikh, acute medical doctor, talks about the importance of compassionate care for patients. Katrina also explains how having an inclusive workforce means patients from all backgrounds receive better care as one size doesn't fit all. She's also an ambassador for the charity You OK Doc, so she talks about their mission to look after doctors' well-being. President-elect of the British Thoracic Society, Rachel Moses OBE, discusses how it feels as she is about to become only the fourth female president in the entire history of the society and only the first non-medic in the role. Rachel explains why it is important to have a multidisciplinary team to provide holistic, personalized care to patients with respiratory diseases. Dr. Fiza Ali, Neurology Registrar at the Royal Free Hospital in London, tells us about life as a doctor working less than full-time and the perks of this flexibility, explaining how this gives her better work-life balance and improves her well-being. Fiza also tells us about the work of Medical Women's Federation and her role as editor-in-chief of their magazine. Also from the Medical Women's Federation, their vice president, Dr. Nufana Bayankaram, shares what motivated her to get involved with the organization and why she initially didn't consider applying for the role when it came up. She shares details of their up-and-coming autumn conference and plans for a new podcast. Your ideas are welcome. Professor Dame Sue Hill, Chief Scientific Officer for England, shares the importance of ensuring health and care services continue to evolve and transform using advances in technology and emerging science. We also revisit Dr. Helen Mises' piece from last year about shining a light on clinical engineering as one of our most read articles from previous issues. Do check out our website, womanfology.co.uk, to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. The feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. That's all for now, but join us in the next episode where we meet women in construction.